0: Today on Ag
1: News Daily.
2: Well, really, it's a historical reason uh, that October is pork month. Um, there's always a lot of supply of uh, pork in October um, because of the uh, spring pig crop.
0: Good afternoon and happy Friday from the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr joined by Delaney Howell once again from the airport. So we are kind of just flying by the seam of our pants this week, Delaney, or at least today.
1: Yes. And I apologize if there's any background noise for our listeners. Doing my best to mute myself. But if you hear any background noise, I am sitting in the airport, actually the Bismarck, North Dakota Airport, Ash, and I was speaking today with the North Dakota Bakers Association, so can check Bismarck off my list is attending now.
0: Well, awesome, Delaney. You're just super committed to giving the people the news that they need, so I don't think there's any apologies
1: necessary. Well, thank you, Ashton. I appreciate that. If if you can hear, there's a little Celine Dion in the background. So that's the only thing I guess I got to apologize about is there's not better music right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, we might be pulling at a few heartstrings today, making people get a little bit teary eyed with the Celine Dion, but I think it'll be okay.
1: Well, Ashton, I tell you what, why don't you kick us over into talking some news for today?
0: Alrighty, Delaney, I sure will. And the first thing that I wanted to kind of make known here is that we have some deadlines this upcoming week for three USDA pandemic assistance programs. October twelfth is the deadline to sign up for the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program Two, of course, CFAP Two, and the Pandemic Livestock Indemnity Program. And then October 15th is the deadline for the Pandemic Assistance for Timber Harvesters and Haulers Program, and farmers can apply through their local FSA offices. So, folks, if you haven't signed up for those things and you're needing
1: to, the deadline is quickly approaching, so I would hop to it if I were you. And, national, another thing that's quickly approaching is next week's WASDE report, which comes out, of course, early next week and ahead of next week's report we saw analyst expectations for both corn and soybean ending stocks are anticipated to increase on the report uh, analyst expectations are showing that for the 21 22 ending stocks for US corn going to rise about 1.4 going to rise to 1.418 billion bushels compared to the 1.408 billion bushels in september And expecting, though, however, on the corn side of things also to see a reduction in corn yield to an average of 175.9, which compared to where USDA is sitting would be a pretty significant reduction. On the soybean side of the things, analysts are expecting to raise ending stocks to 298 million bushels, up basically 100 million bushels compared to September, which would not be so bullish for the report. And on the wheat side of things, average estimates are showing that uh, they're going to continue to see and cut ending stock for when or for next week's report. So overall, we could see a mixed bag. However, as we often know, analyst expectations and what actually happens on a report Ashton are usually two different things.
0: Well, Delaney, I have some USDA news here as Secretary Vilsack is being urged by members of Congress to help these small meat processors who ended up taking some risks and expanded at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Missouri Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler told Secretary Vilsack that she's concerned that the $500 million grant program for new meat processing Processing plants announced in July won't go back far enough. We also saw some words from Representative Cindy Axney saying that during the pandemic, cattle prices had declined by 18%, while boxed beef prices went up by an 80%. So what we're seeing is producers being paid less, consumers are paying more, but the packers control over 80% of the market and are making significant profits. So we're seeing some pushback, and Secretary Vilsack says that as a former governor, he appreciates these provisions used by states when funding community development projects and says that this program must be structured in a way that justifies to taxpayers their resources are used in a thoughtful and appropriate way. So just a little bit more here talking about this new $500 million expanded meat and poultry poultry processing grant program. So we're, we're seeing some opinions on both sides, but it sounds like a little bit more pushback than it is um, acceptance.
1: Yeah, I would agree. It sounds that way as well, Ashton. And uh, switching tracks here a little bit, another thing we've seen a lot of pushback on lately is the energy market. Natural gas and crude oil bulls are continuing to chug along here. November crude oil futures today hit $80 a barrel early on. We haven't seen trades this high in years. Some analysts are so much so calling for a $90 target, but so far sitting around $65 should see quite a bit of support there. Going to have to definitely talk to Tommy Grigofi about this one, action on Monday because there's really a couple things at play here. Not only are we seeing crude oil at these record high levels, we're also seeing natural gas at really high levels. And that's, as you know, trickling into the fertilizer industry as we kind of look at the ongoing energy shift, not only here in the United States, but also globally. So, and um, it's going to be an interesting one for sure. Um, I didn't know this, Ashton, but natural gas apparently makes up to 60 to 90% of the actual cost of fertilizer. So as we continue to watch natural gas prices continue to push higher, that's really why we're continuing to see fertilizer costs continue to be at these record levels. So I thought that was an interesting thing to share today.
0: Absolutely, it is Delaney. And I'm actually looking forward to talking to Tommy on Monday. So folks will have to tune in after the weekend to hear our conversation there. But I just have one other story that I wanted to share today. It was a bit of a slow news day. So this one isn't so much news as I just thought it was interesting. Of course, you know, my stance on meat analogs and fake meat products. And it looks like we might actually be getting a lab grown replica of Wagyu beef. Of course wagyu is pretty expensive and it could cost, you know, more than $200 a pound at some top restaurants. But some scientists have been trying to use 3D bioprinters and bovine stem cells to replicate Wagyu's distinctive marbling. But I would think that that would still take quite a bit of money, quite a bit of time, since Wagyu is such a unique piece of meat that has a, a a unique taste and texture. So I thought it was interesting, of course, but a little bit questionable.
1: Yeah, that is going to be interesting, and I'm going to be curious to see the cost compared to real wagyu. Because I imagine, well, I know real wagyu beef is pretty expensive, but I would imagine that the alternative stuff can going to be pretty expensive for a while too. So you're not really gaining much, I wouldn't think, by trying the alternative stuff.
0: You know, I'm glad that you said that because at the moment, it takes about nine, it takes about eighty nine dollars and forty cents to produce a single gram of lab grown wagyu. Mm-hmm. So is it really the less expensive option? I don't know. <laughs> I would say probably not if I had to guess based off of that, Ashton. Yep, I am gonna have to agree with you there, but I'm just letting the numbers speak
1: for themselves. That's true. That's good. We can't make our we can't make people's decisions. I'm gonna guess people won't pick that themselves, but yeah. Well, I got just one other piece of news here before we chat markets, Ashton, and that is weather related. You know, if you're in North Dakota Folks were sharing with me some of the, you know, dryness that they've been experiencing. Really, east of Bismarck, they've been getting some rain. West of Bismarck, not so much so. But this weekend, we're expected to get quite a few um, storms across much of the northern plains. We're we're talking here, uh, kind of the Washington corner, all the way sweeping through Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, into the Dakotas over the weekend here, and. We're still seeing quite a bit of heavy rains possible through the southeastern portion of the United States. But all in all, this stuff should also push down into the primary corn belt region here and see some pretty big storms there. So I think all in all, a lot of producers could probably use some rain right now, maybe need a little time out of the field, need a little break. I know Blaine certainly does, so he's going to be thankful for that if we get a little bit of rain here this weekend. And it seems that will be the trend, hopefully, overall for a big portion of the Corn Belt this weekend. So certainly good news there for those folks. But kind of on the flip side, Ashton, we're talking South American weather, the latest weather forecast down there, the ECMS, or the European models, are indicating some drier than normal conditions here as they head into the heart of soybean planting season. And it's appearing that the La Nina pattern really is starting to play out down there with some of their key growing areas in Mato Grosso de Sul, Parana, Monte Grosso in general. Those areas really are seeing some drier weather heading into uh, soybean season. So definitely, definitely uh, fundamental to keep an eye on there too.
0: Absolutely, Delaney. But I only have my eyes set out on where the markets ended for today. So why don't we go ahead and jump into that?
1: Absolutely, Ashton. Let's do that. And uh, to be honest with you guys, I didn't have a lot of time to look at markets today. So I don't have a lot of insight into today's activity other than just really where things closed us off for the week I'm sure next week we'll see some excitement with the WASD report when that is released. But in the meantime, markets are just kind of chopping sideways here heading into that report. Picking things off today in the corn market, Ashton, the December contract closed lower 3.5 cents to end at 5.30 and a half. The March down 3.5 cents to close at 5.39 and a half. Soybeans today bouncing off of that support levels we talked to Angie Setzer about on Monday as November closed down four and a quarter cents to end at twelve forty three. The January down four cents and the day out at twelve fifty four and a quarter. Chicago wheat lower today as the December contract shed at seven and a quarter cents to close at seven thirty four. The March down seven and a half to close at seven forty seven and a quarter. Hopping over to look at the livestock hits today. We saw mixed trade in the cattle complex as the live cattle complex finished higher across the board and feeder cattle were lower. December live cattle up 15 cents today to close at 130.25. The February up 15 as well to close at 134.80. And in feeder cattle, as I mentioned, lower today, the November contract shedding 45 cents to close at 161.15. The January down twelve and a half to close at 161.12 and a half. Lean hogs lower today as well, with the December contract shedding 52.5 cents to close at 81.50 The February, down 47.5 cents to close at 83.87 and a half. And lastly, Ashton wrapping things up here with the Class 3 dairy milk futures. November up 6 cents today to close at 1880. The D's up 7 to close at 1834. Ashton, without further ado, kick us over to today's interview.
0: Well, today we are ringing in Pork Tober with the president of the Iowa Pork Producers Association. On this special Friday episode, we are ringing in Porktober with Dennis Liliadal, who is the president of the Iowa Pork Producers Association and a producer himself. So, Dennis, thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to chat with us.
2: I'm glad to glad to Ashton.
0: So Dennis, before we get started talking here about Porktober and some issues going on in the pork industry, why don't we talk a little bit more about you? Because you've been in this role as the president at the Iowa Pork Producers Association for quite some time now, a couple of months. I say a couple, it's been more than that. So how has that experience really been for you?
2: It's been a very enjoyable experience. Um, As we come out of COVID, it's uh, It's probably not quite like it's been for traditional Iowa pork presidents, but uh, certainly different than the experience that uh, Mike Postia and the previous president had. Um, I've met a lot of uh, very knowledgeable people, uh, and I'm enjoying my, my time as president.
0: And Dennis, like I said, you're also a producer yourself, so why don't you tell us just a little bit more about your operation?
2: So we're a diversified uh, crop and livestock farm in uh, Southwest Iowa, far Southwest Iowa. Um, we used to be farrow to finish and we've transitioned to a, um, to a wean to finish operation for our pigs. Um, we grow uh, corn and soybeans, um, seed soybeans, uh, practice uh, a lot of conservation, um, lots of terraces, um, Trying to get some cover crops in this fall. Um, so that pretty much sums up our operation. And, well, I should include the most important parts. <laughs> uh, my wife, Diane, helps on the farm. Um, and my son, uh, Andrew and his family live close by and he's a, uh, integral part of the operation also.
0: Well, awesome, Dennis. And you mentioned earlier that it's been a a little bit of a strange year in terms of coming out of the pandemic and maybe some other things that kind of came into play there. So what are some issues that pork producers kind of had to deal with over in Iowa? Um, What does their year kind of look like? And you also have to see that, of course, firsthand, probably on your operation as well, huh?
2: Well, in our operation, we... uh... And, and of course, the bulk of the COVID interruptions happened over a year ago. In our operation, um, as luck would have it, uh, we were kind of in that transition phase from uh, furrowing to wean to finish. And we personally uh, missed most of the impacts uh, that so many producers had trying to uh, find a home for their their market-ready livestock. Um, And... I think for the most part, we did a good job of getting, uh, I shouldn't say getting rid of, but um, marketing those animals not as fast as we would like, but we did get them marketed. And uh, since that point, the market's recovered.
0: Well, I'm certainly glad that they have Dennis and kind of moving on here to the topic of porktober. Cause that's really why we had you on because October is pork month. So we're kicking it, kicking it off here. Why is October pork month? What's so special about October?
2: Well, really it's a historical reason uh, that October's pork month. Um, there's always a lot of supply of, uh, pork in october um because of the a spring pig crop um that got marketed in the fall um so it was a good time it was a good value for consumers um that pork was going to maybe be a little less expensive and it's a good thing for good what's a good thing for producers uh to move um more product through the marketplace to um enhance the price they were receiving so it's kind of uh, trying to be positive on for both the consumer and the producer historically. Um, you now, it's kind of right now, porktober, part, part I would say it's uh kind of turned into more of a celebration of uh pork production and the value of uh, good nutritious pork in the grocery store. Um, just a good month to... Uh, Emphasize pork and the value it provides to um, both producers and consumers.
0: And Dennis, I didn't tell you this before, but I am based down here in Texas and I came up to Iowa for the first time for the World Pork Expo earlier this summer. And I had my first pork cutlet, and I have been thinking about them ever since. So I'm going to have to make another trip up to Iowa just so I can have a pork cutlet. And you know, October just seems like the perfect time.
2: Well, yes, just make, make lots of trips to Iowa and you can, I'm sure you can buy Iowa pork or any pork in uh, Texas. So uh, just keep that in mind when you're shopping at the grocery store. And uh,
0: Absolutely, Dennis. So how can we really show our support for the pork industry right now? Of course, buying pork in the stores. Is there anything else that our audience members can do to really celebrate those who work in the pork industry this month?
2: Well, I think uh, that was going to be my first uh first answer was was buy more pork, uh, uh, which is pretty obvious, but um food service and restaurants uh there's a lot of pork items on the menu there. Um purchase those uh, and maybe take time to uh think about um the value that pork provides to uh to people as being a lean and nutritious um it's it's cost effective um it's uh really important to Iowa um because pigs in Iowa eat about 25% of the the corn and soybeans that we produce here in the state um and obviously we produce a lot of corn and soybeans um so that's it's just an economic driver and just to recognize that the value uh pork produce, production provides
0: well Dennis, is there anything that uh is there anything that is going on in Iowa for the Iowa pork Producers Association this month that our Iowa listeners can participate in or show their support for
2: um lots of events, lots of events uh, <clears throat> the Iowa pork producers were at uh, there's a lot of community events and celebrations across the state um, we support things such as uh the Des Moines uh, Marathon, um, Hy-Vee Grocery Chain has a, uh, a program, uh, a Hy-Vee Kids Fit Program that encourages uh, kids and their parents to be active and to consider healthy food choices, which um, of course includes uh, pork. Um, there's uh, several pork promotions uh, at grocery stores. And a lot of county organizations will partner with these grocery stores to um, to share pork recipes and coupons um, We have a presence at uh the football uh football games at both Iowa State University and uh the University of Iowa to uh keep pork um in the minds of uh of those sports fans uh, and you mentioned uh coming to iowa for the pork cutlets uh Iowa's kind of proud of our our pork tenderloins um so we we've got a couple events around that in october we announced uh iowa's best pork tenderloin um, and we also have what we call uh the tenderloin trail where um if you uh get your passport stamped at uh 10 different restaurants that have been recommended for their uh, pork tenderloin, you uh, win a t-shirt. So those are just uh, some of the events that uh, are going on in October.
0: Well, awesome, Dennis. I hope some of our Iowa listeners are showing their support out there, and hopefully the majority of our listeners are also just showing their support for the pork industry right now, just across the country. Like you said, we can definitely show our support by buying more pork in the grocery store. So that's kind of our call to action today, folks. But Dennis, I just wanted to thank you once more for coming on and chatting with us, and happy Porktober.
2: Well, thank you very much, Ashton. Um, We appreciate the The coverage. Thank you.
0: Thanks again there to Dennis for coming on and chatting with us about what our pork producers have really been faced with during this tough year and how we can really celebrate them this month. Like he was talking about there, you can go out and at least if you're in Iowa or around Iowa, go out and do the, I think, it, I can't remember the name of it off of the top of my head, but where you go around to these suggested restaurants and get your passport stamped to do the... Yes tenderloin challenge so i definitely wish i was up there doing that delaney
1: ashton you're gonna miss out because the tenderloin challenge the tenderloin trail is one of the best in iowa i like that between that one and Iowa's best burgers competition that we have every year pretty well set
0: Well, I am definitely jealous, Delaney. I wish I could make a trip up there this Portober to celebrate. So hopefully there are some people out there listening that are going to be able to. So if you are, definitely hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and tell us which stop is your favorite. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go?
1: Let, Let them go.